When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. Hello, this is Sam Matterface and welcome to the game day podcast from TalkSport. As we look ahead to the return of the Premier League. Chilwell down the left-hand side, first time cross, Ziyech controls, oh, and finishes superbly! And the final whistle goes, and it ends at the Hawthorns in a draw on a day where you feel West Bromwich champion just had to win. Comes the free kick, and he's headed in! 3-1, Leicester it is! It's Ian Anto at the far post! Leicester 3, Manchester United 1, and now they will! Dare to dream those foxes! Coming up, previews from all eight of the weekend's fixtures. The Mirror's Darren Lewis tells us Liverpool can still reach the Champions League. I still think Liverpool have a chance. They're seventh, but they're only five points off the top four. So if results go their way this weekend, they could be only two points off the top four. TalkSport commentator Alex Crook thinks City have gone over the top with their tribute to Sergio Aguero. I think it's a little bit over the top and actually I was with a former Manchester United player during the week and he agreed. He said that smacks of a club that doesn't have much history. Plus more sarcasm than a night out with Chandler Bing. Why Chelsea have to be patient, Tottenham still have hopes for the top four and why this could be the weekend that things change at the bottom. All with me, Sam Matterface, Darren Lewis and Alex Crook on the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. Welcome back to the cut and thrust of the Premier League life. No interruptions now through right till the end. Uh, most teams have got nine or ten games left. Uh, issues to be resolved are the top four, by extension the European places, and the fight to avoid relegation. Realistically, it's probably a tussle between Newcastle and uh, Fulham. Alex Crook and Darren Lewis with me, as always, on a Thursday. Um, looking ahead at the weekend's action, I mean, let's just have a quick glance back to what happened uh, over the last uh, week or so with the international scene. And I think the highlight, or or maybe just the headline grabber from uh, the last uh, 24 hours, was Timo Werner's miss against North Macedonia. <laughs> Timo Werner's latest miss it's just not quite happening for him this season is it but what an incredible scoreline that was for Germany in general I have to say I'm glad the international break is over um, you did a sterling job on England duty but I found all three games pretty dull to be honest it's, it's you know it's an easy group I, I didn't get the excitement about Poland if, if England are serious about winning the European Championship they have to be beating Poland especially without Robert Lewandowski but I actually had the 
unfortunate pleasure of covering two of the under-21s games. And um, we're all shocked, aren't we, that if you employ a failed Northampton Town manager, then you go out in the group stage with a whimper of a major tournament. I mean, that is one of the most incredible appointments in, in modern times. It's going to be fascinating now to see if they actually get a proper coach in who can actually get the best out of our young talent. Darren, you seem lost for words there. No, no, listen, I, I think that Crook, as usual, makes some excellent points. And sometimes we have to be honest about it. We talk about wanting to move forward, but then, and I saw A.D. Boothroyd's uh, post-match interviews where he said, no, I'm going to fight on. And sometimes you have to have a bit of self-awareness about the fact that you've got a talented group of players. You've scored one goal in the three matches. I think he's only won three of the last 18 matches and gone out of major tournaments back-to-back twice in the last three years, the numbers aren't great. The players are, potentially. And they need somebody who's got a a far more up-to-date strategy uh, and a a far more up-to-date approach that kind of mirrors the kind of forward thinking at their clubs. It doesn't look good for him. Okay, uh, does it look good for Newcastle, Fulham, uh, Tottenham, who are not as far away from the European places as maybe we might have thought? Leicester, Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool, all in action this weekend as game day returns to TalkSport. Free kick and he's headed in! 3-1 Leicester it is! It's Ian Anto at the far post! Leicester 3, Manchester United 1 and now they will! Dare to dream those foxes. That was our ambition to to try and um, be really competitive against the top team. Bit of room for Kevin De Bruyne who goes beyond and then it hits the crossbar after a shot comes back to Gundogan diving header 1-0 Manchester City. We can lose and the opponents are good and we try to do better than them every single game. This is only the target. against Manchester City is our 5.30 Saturday. Uh, Manchester City are 14 points clear of United at the top of the table. They're head and shoulders above everybody else. But after Leicester gave United a bit of a doing in the FA Cup just before the international window, can they cause City some grief, Darren? Uh, No, I don't think so. Uh, Before the international break, they were terrific uh, in beating Brighton and Sheffield United in the league. Uh, And then that result against Manchester United to reach the FA Cup semi-finals was terrific. Um, their main man is Kalecci Inacha, who's in terrific form at the moment. Seven goals uh, in his last four matches, nine, a total of nine in his last nine as well. And that means that they no longer have to worry about who's going to get the goals if Jamie Vardy or James Madison doesn't score. But I just think they're up against a City side that are invincible. Lost one game since they drew with West Brom on December the 12th, they have won every other match, 25 of their last 26. And yeah, I think, you know, sometimes we all bang on about could X club, we did it with Liverpool, didn't we? Could they win the treble or the quadruple or whatever? This City side really could do it. They are that good. Yeah, I wonder if Kalichi and he and Nacho listens to this podcast and actually has kicked on ever since I messed up the stat and gave him more goals than he actually had. And he thought, oh, I should be on that sort of number. And now he's getting there. I mean, it is possible. Uh, James Madison's missed the last six games. Uh, Chengazunda missed out on that FA Cup match before the international break. Pereira missed the United game. 
Madison should be back, actually. He's been kicking a ball in his back garden. We've all seen his back garden this week. It's a very well manicured bit of uh, uh, astroturf. And he's got like little uh, lines for the football pitch and a big goal where he practices his free kicks. And so, I mean, he might be back to help Manchester City towards the end of the season. Is there any chance, do you think, that he could sort of play his way into the European Championship squad? Or is that gone now? I think it's probably gone, um, to be honest. I think... Gareth Southgate probably knows 20 of his 23. Obviously, you've got the questions over Trent Alexander-Arnold, maybe about how many left-backs they take as well. But I think if if Jack Grealish is fit, he's probably ahead of Madison now in that number 10 role. So I think he's going to have to have a barnstorming end to the season to force his way into Gareth Southgate's plans. On the subject of Manchester City, have they started the, the statue yet, by the way? Because I think Manchester United are going to erect one of John O'Shea and Ronnie Johnson as well outside Old Trafford. Why, why would they be doing that? Is this is this a sort of dig at Sergio Aguero's departure that was confirmed in the week? I mean, everybody remembers the iconic moment. It's one of the iconic moments in Premier League history. I was actually there on that day, ninety three twenty against QPR. It should be honoured as a as a, a a magnificent moment. You just don't think statues are the right way to go, no? I think it's a little bit over the top. And actually, I was with a former Manchester United player during the week and he agreed. He said that smacks of a club that doesn't have much history. Oh, that's a bit harsh. I mean, Sergio Aguero is not only one of City's, well, he is their all-time leading scorer, but he's a Premier League legend. He is, I, I think, that goal against QPR is one of the all-time great Premier League moments. Why Absolutely. would you not have a player who's delivered your first title in 44 years as... Uh, uh, Why would you not want that immortalised? Absolutely. I think I the think issue with it is because it's going to be a triple header, um, inevitably it, it's Manchester City's version of the Holy Trinity. Are you telling me that company David Silva and Aguero are on a par with Bess, Law and Charlton? I think you're living in the past there, Crook. I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the, everybody makes their own history and their new history as, as time goes on. And, and Manchester City have been the most successful club over the last 10 years. Aguero, Silver and company have certainly been a, a part of that. And not only that, but that was in a different stadium, a different time. Yeah. You know, this is in, in a new stadium, a new generation, a, a new crop of kids who have got new heroes. Of the tr- three of them, I like Silver a lot, a hell of a lot. But is he a Premier League legend? I'm not, not, not for me. The other two, company, you know, when you look at his impact on socially as well as in football context, absolutely. When you look at uh, his leadership, absolutely. But when you look at Aguero, his goals, the impact that he's had on the club, the way that he's attracted other players to the club as well, stellar players, absolutely he should have a statue outside the Etihad. You're right, it was an iconic goal. I'll just get on the blower to Federico Makeda and see if he can come down and, and, and pose for a statue outside Old Trafford as well. Yeah, because he stuck around long for a long time afterwards, didn't he? Um, <laughs> Shall we get back to the moment in hand, which is at 5.30 on Saturday, Leicester against Manchester City. Um, obviously, without Sergio Aguero being as prolific as he has been this season, Manchester City have been relying on goals from people like Ilkay Gundogan a lot. And Gundogan scored again, over the course of the international break, he started to find his shooting boots a lot. He takes the penalties for Germany as well. But he's a key figure, isn't he? And I noticed that he started every single game over the course of uh, of the international break. Kevin De Bruyne played a lot too. R- Ruben Diaz played all three matches, 90 minutes each time. I just wonder whether or not 
when you come back from an international break, if you're going to beat Manchester City, this is sort of the key time because their players have been flogged three times over the course of the last six or seven days. Yeah, and Leicester are an opponent who who demand intensity and 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 play with plenty of energy. So yeah, that 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 could well be a factor. But I think Manchester City are in the groove now. They're competing on on multiple fronts. They're relishing the challenge of trying to win this quadruple. So I think they will they will find that extra bit of adrenaline that that may well be needed to get them over the winning line. I look at I looked at Sterling. You obviously covered the England game, Sam, and he played in all three games as well for England and there there is something about City's players they appear to me to be battle hardened I mean if you look at Gundogan he's played in all these games but he is scoring goals making decisive contributions obviously not in a Macedonia game um, but he scored five goals in his last six and he is a player that has popped up so often for City in big moments. And I think the City team, they are thriving on their football because they have that culture of winning. Yeah, Sterling, 220 minutes for England over the course of that international break. Um, Leicester's defence has conceded 19 goals in 14 Premier League home games, so they can be get at. Uh, so I'm sure that Manchester City will look to do that on Saturday at 5.30 live on Talk Sport. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Here is Saka again. Lacazette with an excellent ball into the penalty. Cut across by Smith Rowe and turned in by Bakayo Saka. And that is an outstanding Arsenal goal. The youngsters involved. The fact that the youngsters are involved in this squad means that they have the level to compete with any player in that squad. And he's picked it up and smashed it home. And Liverpool now have a 3-1 lead. Sadio Mane scores. Challenge and the job is clear. We have to win. We have to win football games as many as possible to make it in the top four. That's how it is. Arsenal-Liverpool kicks off at 8 o'clock on Saturday. It's also live on TalkSport. Now, the fact that this isn't the feature game of the weekend, I think says a lot, Crook, about the inconsistency of this duo, doesn't it? Yeah, looking forward to the battle for eighth place in in the Premier League. Um, On a serious note, it, it, it does suggest that both of underwhelmed this season. You still don't really know what you're going to get from Arsenal. Uh, Obviously, Liverpool have got lots of mitigating factors, as Darren Lewis points out, 
uh, week after week, but I still think it's been a poor defence of their title. It, it, I think if both teams bring their A game, then Liverpool should win. But we've seen from Arsenal in terms of one-off performances against Spurs, against Chelsea, against Manchester United at Old Trafford, they are still capable of raising their game against the elite and, and pulling off a surprise result. Would it be a surprise result? Probably not based on the context. Well, nothing's really a surprise result in this fixture, is it? Because both teams are are, are so undulating in form. Um, and I wonder whether or not, Darren, actually, the European action in midweek holds greater significance for both of them. Uh, certainly for Arsenal, uh, because they need to win the Europa League to get into the top four. I, well, well, Liverpool probably need to win the Champions League to get back into the Champions League, don't they? Well, it's funny because I, I, I was thinking about this match and I was thinking there's two words that sum up this actual match, which are slim and none in terms of their Champions League hopes, because I still think Liverpool have a chance. They're seventh, but they're only five points off the top four. So if results go their way this weekend, they could be only two points off the top four. Um, whereas well, so if Chelsea lose to West Brom and Albion, you mean? Yeah. Chelsea lose to West Brom. Can we get Darren Lewis a really small straw to clutch, please? <laughs> it is a small straw. I'm not even going to lie. Crook's, uh, Crook, Crook's been away for a week and his sarcasmometer is up at high, isn't it? Oh, the charts. Oh, but it's okay. I'll <laughs> I've got all it. these I'll... I want to get out of my head today. <laughs> uh, but I think as far as... Um, Arsenal are concerned, it's not going to happen in the league. They're ninth in the table, nine points off the top four. Um, And even if Aston Villa beat Fulham this weekend, uh, Aston Villa will move above them, assuming Arsenal don't win. I just think Europe for Mm. Arsenal is all important, all important because they need to attract better players if they go if if Arteta's revamp is going to continue to take shape otherwise they're going to have to throw more big money at more big players who may or may not come and they may ultimately have to end up relying on the younger players and the inconsistent older players that have only given them I think it's one clean sheet in their last 13 matches Liverpool's confidence for me looks like it's coming back as the players come back from injury and that's why I'm more optimistic about them and I think they'll win They've lost six of the last 10 games, Liverpool. Um, but they've won each of the last two. Okay, so, uh, yeah. Well, look, I, I, I think it's one of those matches that you wouldn't have a bet on, isn't it? Yes, I think you're right. Isn't it Mikel Arteta's 50th Premier League game as, as Arsenal manager? It could be. I haven't got that statistic right. I think it, right I, I just I don't want to make f- statistics up because I know what happened <laughs> the last time I did that. Kalichi Inanacho went on this amazing goal-scoring run. I, I just, I just wonder how far Arsenal fans believe they've come in those fifty Premier League games. I think it's still a big work in progress, and I think well, they've dropped down the table, haven't they? Exactly. <laughs> I, I think they would have wanted to to make strides at a quicker rate of knots. In all honesty, uh, is Saka going to be back? Do we know if Saka's going to be back for this? Because obviously, he missed England duty. I don't think we can be sure about any players that have doubts around them coming back for this weekend, especially I think a hamstring lot of clubs- injury as well. Yeah, I think a lot of clubs are going to be, want to be very careful, much as they might want their important players to come back after the international break. If there are any doubts about their fitness, I think they won't play them. I do think this will see a lot of goals because both teams are untrustable at the back, aren't they? Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, as I said before, you know that start about Arsenal. And I think as far as Liverpool are concerned, even though they won their last 
to you still have to take a watching brief on each game that they play because defensively they still have that mistake in them. Until Van Dyke comes back, I think that will continue to be the case. Um, I just think Arsenal might be helped by the fact that their game in midweek is not until Thursday, and this is a Saturday night game. Liverpool's game against Real Madrid is on Tuesday. And I just wonder if they'll be a little bit distracted by that. It certainly might hold one or two back uh, for that game. Chilwell down the left-hand side. First time cross. Ziyech controls. Oh, and finishes superbly. Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea are a consistently improving machine. Unbeaten in 10 and looking every inch a top four finisher. I think Tuchel is the real deal. I think he owns the space that he occupies. I'm here to win games and to, to, to push the team into the right momentum. And the final whistle goes and it ends at the Hawthorns in a draw on a day where you feel West Bromwich champion just had to win. We can only get out of it by taking each game as it comes until mathematically it's impossible. And it finished Crystal Palace 1, West Brom 0. There's surely no coming back now for West Brom. They'll have to break a Premier League record to stay up now. 12.30 on Saturday, Chelsea against West Bromwich Albion kicks off game day. Doom for the drop. Can Big Sam stop Tiny Tommy from adding another three points when West Brom visit the bridge on game day um it, it, it will be difficult for them because although they've stopped conceding quite a lot of goals West Bromwich Albion they've stopped scoring goals too which doesn't really help the entertainment factor bearing in mind in the 14 games that Chelsea have played under Thomas Tuchel 13 of them have had no more than two goals in the game it's got two nil Chelsea written all over it hasn't it um I can't believe you're calling anyone tiny, by the way, but we'll skirt over that. Um, well, you met Thomas Tuchel. He's like the thinnest <laughs> man. He's he's almost as thin as Ashley Cole. I think this I think this will be a comfortable win um, for Chelsea. West Bromwich Albion have improved slightly under Sam Allardyce, but again, not not as much as the owners there would have hoped when they made the change. They're not conceding as many goals, but they still haven't got anyone to put the ball in the back of the net. I, I can't see anything other than a, than a Chelsea win to nil, and I think. Chelsea are just going to grind it out now for the rest of the season, pick up enough clean sheets, enough points to to cement themselves in the top four and and probably have a real go in the Champions League as well. Um, I spoke to Big Sam this week, actually. We did an extended interview, which you'll be able to hear on TalkSport at the weekend. And he, he, we discussed about how he'd been able to tighten that defence, and but now how he was frustrated that the goals haven't sort of gone in at the other end. And we talked about timing because he's brought in some good players. Diagna seems to have had an impact. There's one or two. I mean, he's only picked up a couple of goals, but there's been a couple of other goals that he's scored that are slightly offside or there's been an infringement just beforehand. He could have had six goals between the time he arrived and now. That would be a major contribution. Yakushlu has played very well. Turkish international, good, good, good buy from uh, West Bromwich Albion. But I just wonder, looking at it and what's happened, if you're going to employ Sam Allardyce, I, I always feel as if it takes maybe a month or two for him to get in, put his blueprint in place, and then you start seeing the uptick of results. If you wait until December, you're already so far behind. I just don't think there was ever enough time for him to dig them out of the fire, Darren. I, I disagree. I, I think that there was just not enough quality at the club. I think West Brom came up, didn't invest enough, and threw Billich overboard rather than admitting their mistake and believed that by getting a relegation survival specialist in, that he would dig them out of trouble. 
the buck stops at the people who didn't invest yeah. in the club last summer. Well, I think we said that during the course of the first half of the season that they, you know, they hadn't helped Slavon Bilic out by not investing in the team. They s- sold Higazi from under his feet as well, which didn't particularly go down well. But once you've decided to make, if you're going to make the change, you make it with time to spare rather than um, wait until the last embers. And also getting deals done. They didn't get deals done until very late in the window. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of those things are, are are very important. You look at the side itself and there isn't enough quality up front. There certainly isn't enough quality at the back. They have kept three clean sheets in their last five matches, but they always have a mistake in them. Uh, I think they're so far back. They are no Fulham. You looked at Fulham, you could see what direction they were going in. You saw that you could see that they had good players and it was just about turning those draws into wins, which on occasion they've managed to do. I can't see how West Brom would have anything that would suggest to me that they're not going to be in a championship next season. They can't score goals. They've only scored once in that run of five games. I said that they've got uh, clean sheets. Uh, and I think at the end of the season, it's the people who run the club that are going to have to look at the decisions that they've made rather than Allardyce or Billich, because I think their represent- reputations will remain intact, but the club will go down. What do you think happens with Big Sam when they do go down then, as we all anticipate them to do? I think there is a clause in his contract. I'm only guessing this and surmising this from from having a chat with him this week, which you'll hear live on game day on Saturday. Um, in which he sort of suggests if they stay in the Premier League, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely going to stay. Uh, I think if it, there's sort of like some sort of clause where if they do, he does keep them up, it kicks in and he gets another year or whatever. I'm uh, I'm not sure on that, but just the way he was talking, it sort of felt like that. But what if they go down? Do you think that they will move on to somebody else or will they keep him? Because he has got history of bringing teams back up at the first attempt. I think that might depend on the ambitions of the owners uh, if they're willing to to build a squad to to challenge for promotion for the championship because I'm not even sure that the current squad when you when you take the lone players back is good enough to necessarily bounce back at the first time of asking excuse the pun with the boing boing baggies but if if the owners are willing to give Sam the backing that he would need to to challenge for promotion, then he, he might well stay on. I was actually uh, told by somebody reasonably close to the club that Chris Wilder is, is someone on their radar that they possibly would, would look to bring in and, and replace Big Sam. But I think West Brom are a good example of where the Premier League finances are a little bit skewed because too many clubs come up don't invest and are just happy to to then survive off the parachute payment. So it's effectively a wasted year for West Bromwich Albion because the owners must have known they were never going to stay up with that squad, but they were never willing to invest uh, to bring in the quality that they needed to be competitive. If you compare it to Leeds, for example, Marcelo Bielsa was given a lot of financial backing and, and they've really been a good addition to the Premier League. West Bromwich Albion have just been a waste of everybody's time. Um, Chelsea will spend a bit of money in the summer by the looks of it. I'm I'm seeing every day reports of them buying somebody. Uh, Erling Haaland is also on the agenda for Manchester City and for Manchester United. But there's lots of people talking about the possibility of Chelsea signing uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma from uh, AC Milan, who's rejected two offers of a new contract there. And um, what does he need to add in the summer, Darren Lewis, if he's going to make them more competitive with the likes of Manchester City at the top? of the table that's a really good question because defensively they look as though they've got that discipline back they've obviously addressed that problem they had in goal and creatively they're not that bad I think Kai Havertz just needs time 
Um, and sometimes we can be impatient in this game. Uh, Werner needs time as well. His numbers so far, certainly during the first half of the season, haven't been bad. I know he's only scored twice since November. And, and let's be clear, he's not going to want to go back to Germany after what happened this week. <laughs> Good point, well made. Um, I'm quite loath to say that. I know lots of people, oh, they've got to go and get Haaland. But I think that's the symptom of the impatience in uh, in football at the moment. I think what they need is time. I don't think they necessarily need to go out and buy anyone big. And and I know a lot of people listening to this will, will disagree with me, but they've got goal scorers at that football club. They need to give them the time to be able to produce those goals rather than thinking the solution is always to reach for the checkbook. They invested last year. Let that investment mature. Manchester United take on Brighton on Sunday night. And Brighton's terrific win over Newcastle means that they're probably only about four points from safety. They're probably safe already. Alex Crook, you you watch both these sides on a regular basis, religiously. Are you going to tell me that Manchester United need to be very, very careful on Sunday? Yeah, you read my mind. I'm I'm actually quite worried about this game. Um, We had Adam Lallana on Darren Bent's boot room last week and, and he was saying just how much the players are enjoying playing under Graham Potter and finally now uh, getting the results of their performances across the season as a whole have deserved. I think they play with high energy. Um, they will be brave when they go to Old Trafford. They will look to attack Manchester United and exploit the defensive weaknesses that we all know are still there in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's side. I could see an upset in this game. If United play like they did against Leicester, uh, if they take it for granted like they have done at times against the likes of Sheffield United and West Brom, they will be left with a bloody node. And um, I think it's a long time since Brighton won at Old Trafford. I wouldn't completely rule it out by any stretch of the imagination. And it's dropping points at home that have been a real problem for Manchester United, Darren. In, In the last couple of months, which has probably seen them fall away from challenging for the title. Listen, you both know what I'm going to say. Um, Crook, I'll let you say it for me. You can't trust Manchester United. Absolutely. You can't. It was, it was either that or the circle, the drain one. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I fully expected Man United to win at Leicester in the FA Cup. They beat uh, Milan in the preceding match. They beat West Ham in the match before that. They'd obviously, um, two games previously, beaten Manchester City. And then they let me down again. Well, not me. I'm, I'm just in the, I've got no skin in that game. But I, I just think as far as Man United are concerned, they've got good players, a, a good squad, but they don't have an elite manager. And, oh, would we all love to be in a position where we do an okay job and get a £9 million contract because we're quite nice to have around, which is what Sarsgaard's going to get. I mean, the word is that he doesn't even have to win a trophy this season. To, to get that new contract. I think the problem uh, is, Darren, is there's so much impatience now and this is symptomatic of it and then everybody always thinks that the solution is to go out, get the checkbook I mean, and bring he's been in there two years. Manager. He's been there two years and not won anything. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, in that time with a wonderful squad of players that there is impatience and then there is being at one of the biggest clubs in the world and not being able to make the most of the investment that you've had. So you um, only you only have to have patience if you're not at Manchester United or Liverpool. Well, right? the, well okay, let's be specific. Um, <laughs> the players that I mentioned that need patience have been at 
Chelsea for half a season. Yeah, well, two thirds of a season. Solskjaer's been at Manchester United for two years. Other managers have gone into clubs and made a bigger impact in a shorter space of time. Well, he made a big impact when he first walked through the door, if we remember rightly. Yeah, but they didn't actually beat anybody. If you look at that run of wins, they were matches that Manchester United should be winning, barring Paris Saint-Germain, which was a complete freak. You know, PSG by far the better team that night. Diego Dallo hits a shot that's heading for the third tier of the stand behind the goal. It gets handled along the way and suddenly Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is a genius and Rio Ferdinand is, is negotiating contract terms from live on television. Uh, listen, I couldn't have said any of that better myself. This is on one issue that, that Crook and I agree on. I think United have a squad that should be doing better. And I said in the last podcast, you know, they hit the front at the turn of the year and then couldn't handle the pressure of being there. City came from behind and have left them choking in their dust. And that says everything you need to know about Manchester United. They're a good team, a good squad. He's a nice guy, good manager, but he's not an elite manager. And so I I don't think it's unfair to... Certainly if people are going to be harsh, given all of the injuries that Liverpool have had, all of the problems that with the coronavirus and all of the issues that have affected their defence of the title and people are still saying, no, it's been a terrible defence. If you're going to judge Liverpool that harshly, then you have to apply that same metric to Manchester United. We should mention that as a former striker himself, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer also personally decided that Romelu Lukaku wasn't good enough for Manchester United. He hasn't stopped scoring since and might well end up on the other side of the city. So I don't think enough has been made of the fact that he decided to persist with Anthony Martial and get rid of the bloke who actually can play as a proper centre-forward. Um, are they in for a new centre-forward, by the way? Um, are they going to try and prize either Haaland or Kane away from where they are at the moment? I think there's a definite interest in, in, in Haaland. <laughs> yeah, I'm not convinced that they'll they'll go in for Kane just because they know how difficult that deal will be to get done. Manchester City don't want to get into a bidding war uh, with Erling Haaland. It will be interesting to see if Manchester United adopt the same stance or if they do go toe-to-toe with Chelsea. I think Haaland is more likely to go to Manchester City, personally. I don't know whether I'm right or wrong on that. That's just an instinct, really, more than anything else. Um, and I think that Manchester United, and I think actually Harry Kane is more interested in going to Manchester United. Wow. Well, you know, that, that's quite a call. Why do you think that? Rumours. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'll be just, <laughs> look, I, I, look, I just, I just think that um, I, I thought it was a surprise that he was so open to discussing or even mentioning or even opening the little door to talk about his future this week. I thought that was a surprise. Um, that's the first thing. I think you alluded to it, Darren, about even a week and a half ago that it's time for him to move. And he, you sort of were telling us on the pod two weeks ago that this conversation was going to come up. You, you pointed to it. You obviously had some information where you knew that that was that that was in the, it was being discussed in circles that Harry Kane was just exploring what what's happening elsewhere. Now, I think Tottenham fans get a little bit um, irritated when we discuss Harry Kane uh, and what's going to happen in the future. They think it's disrespectful to even link him with other clubs. But the truth is, is that in a job like this, there's all it's transient. He's been at, he's been at Tottenham for for years and years and years. And 
trust me i mean i mentioned it on the tv the other night we discussed it and people think they, they tell you things like you're you're trying to sell harry kane let's just have it clear i can't sell harry kane i can't influence daniel levy i certainly can't influence harry kane himself so please you know i'm not that powerful as, as much as i'd love to be especially if i was getting a slice of the of the cake but i'm not um, but it, it's just a held view now i think that there is exploration going on. I don't necessarily think that means he's going to leave in the summer. It may well mean that he ends up getting a big new contract at Spurs and stays for life. But I think there is, ex, you know, a bit of an exploratory talks going on between him and his advisors to see what happens next because it's a key summer. I think sure. if he's got any ambition, and don't take my word for this, Jermaine Defoe said it to, to Darren Bent, Darren Ambrose, and myself on Sunday night. He's got to start looking now if he wants to win trophies at joining a bigger club. And that's coming from Jermaine Defoe. Obviously, he's just won the league at Rangers. He's got the taste now for, for winning silverware. And it's a taste that Harry Kane isn't really going to sample if he stays at Tottenham. The, the fascinating thing about Kane is that all of us here, all of the people listening, we all know football. We've all followed football a long time. And we all know how this sort of thing pans out. Kane has been asked a lot about his future. And while before he's been very keen to commit you know, mm. in terms of his long-term future, last year he gave that interview to Jamie Redknapp where he said, if the club's ambition doesn't match mine, then I have to think about what comes next for me. With City, there is a vacancy. It's not as if you're thinking, if I go to City, would I play? Would I? There is a vacancy. They are a club with the money to be able to afford the player and his wages. If he were to go there, he hits the ground running, he plays regular first-team football, and he, he's shown himself to be an elite striker. All of those things are true. And if you are Harry Kane and they come in for you, just like when Bale had Real Madrid come in for him, he wanted to go. It didn't really matter whether Daniel Levy would be prepared to pick up the phone. or He wanted to go. And when a player wants to go, it doesn't matter how long the contract is. You look over the last five, six, eight, 10, 15 years, we can all name 10, 15 players who have been in the situation that Kane's likely to find himself in the summer and they have wanted to go. It's the way football works. And talking of Tottenham, Tottenham are only three points off the Champions League places. They've won six of their last day and arguably all is not as bad as it seemed, except for the two defeats that they've suffered in that time um, are against Arsenal in the North London Derby crook and a very costly defeat in Europe. Um, they won't have too many problems against Newcastle though, will they? I wouldn't have thought so. Um, not unless Steve Bruce has found a magic wand behind the back of the sofa during the international break because they absolutely stunk the place out in the last game I commentated against Brighton. It was a shambolic performance. I described it as a type of display that gets the manager the sack. <laughs> I think 99.9% .9 of Newcastle fans would be very happy if that was the case, but he's still in situ, Steve Bruce. We've spoken about it before in the podcast. Mike actually is a gambler. And I think he is gambling that Fulham will be slightly worse than Newcastle because I don't see any way that Steve Bruce is going to turn this situation around. Clearly, there are players in the dressing room who are far from happy with his management. I think this will be a routine victory for Tottenham. And basically, this weekend for Newcastle is all about how Fulham get on. Uh, Darren, th these two are, are one and two in who is going to be the next manager to leave their job in the Premier League, Jose Mourinho and Steve Bruce. They'll both see out the season, won't they? Will they yes. be their next campaign? I don't I don't think Steve Bruce will be there next season, but I think uh, 
Jose Mourinho will be there next season because I think he might confound a few people. I still think he's got a chance. Well, he clearly does have a mathematical chance of finishing in the top four. He's certainly got the firepower able to do that. People are writing them off for the League Cup final. Um, but I think it's entirely possible that if anybody can find a way to pull off the kind of masterclass that would stop the city machine, it's Jose Mourinho. Whereas Steve Bruce, I, I think he's lost that dressing room. He's certainly lost the, the media up there and it will take something spectacular. And I, I, I don't use that word lightly. I, I think it would take something spectacular after the last performance to turn that team, that fan base around in the final nine games of the season. He, he doesn't have to turn the, the, the fan base around because they're not coming in. So he, he can sort of just concentrate. I mean, obviously he does have to worry about that in the longer term future, but I don't think he's got a longer term future. So therefore it's not really part of his consideration. His main job is just to keep them in the Premier League. Could he have done anything in this international window where he's got a little bit more time, a little bit of distance from some of the players as well, which sometimes also helps to construct a way of fighting themselves out of this situation. They've won just two of the last 20. But if they were to win two or three more games between now and the end of the season, they'd probably have enough, wouldn't they? I'm not convinced that he's actually the, the man working on the, the, the tactics now, just watching how involved Graham Jones was. And I mentioned it in the last podcast we did with the analysts sat in the stand of the Amex and then running down and trying to relay instructions. I think if there is any kind of tactical tweak, then, then he will be spearheading that. I think it's difficult for managers in this scenario because in the past, when you're fighting relegation, you get an international break and, and many of your players have, have stayed behind. You would you would try and come up with some kind of team bonding. Teams in the past have gone go-karting or, or paintball shooting or gone to territorial army camps obviously with the COVID restrictions very 90s it's very yeah, 90s but, yeah but it does ha Eddie Howe did it recently with Bournemouth so it still happens but you can't do that at the moment and I think in terms of team spirit when you've got players changing in different dressing rooms you've got two per table at the canteens as I understand the protocol at a lot of clubs it's very difficult if you've got a divided dressing room to reunite it could you do a zoom quiz or something like that <laughs> well it worked for us the only <laughs> the only thing I would say is this you can do all you can about the camaraderie or, you know, you can do those things that you suggest, but you can't really do much if the players don't have the desire. And I looked at that last match, a six pointer, and they didn't have the desire. They didn't have the appetite to fight for him, not necessarily for the club, but for him. Although some people might say, if you pull the shirt on, you're fighting for the club and they'd be uh, making a very fair point. But the bottom line is that those players didn't have the desire. And that's the thing that worries me the most when you think about those two wins in 20 matches. It's a big problem, by the way, if they do go down. When you look, they chuck massive contracts. Callum Wilson, who probably would be on the radar of Premier League clubs, but Ryan Fraser as well is, is on big money. He's on a big long-term contract. He's been shocking for them, as he was for Bournemouth last season. Good for Scotland, didn't he, in uh, the international break? Um, nice of him to turn up for international duty. <laughs> Ali, Son, Kane, Bal, all linked away uh, from the the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the summer. Um, is that just rumour and speculation, or do you sense that there is an exodus sort of coming, a big change coming? Because I suppose the one way that Jose Mourinho could sort of assert his authority or, or think about longevity. Uh, at the club is by turning over the squad, building a, a newish team or refreshing that team so that he's got the Jose Mourinho to be. He hasn't been able to really do that yet. 
Well, can I talk first about Bale? Because there's been so many people getting their underwear in a twist over the comments that he made saying that he's going to be going back to Real Madrid, saying that he's being disrespectful. He has said what you would expect him to say. He doesn't belong to Tottenham Hotspur. He belongs to Real Madrid. He could turn around and say, I'm going to be staying here. And Real Madrid are going to be saying, really? Well, you're on your registration. We'll decide what you do. And there have been other players who have been asked similar questions during the international break. I remember Oliver Skip being asked a question. Um, he's on loan at Norwich. And he said the same thing. I'm going to be going back to Spurs because Spurs own him. It's really not that deep. And I think there are some people trying to create this false narrative around Bale being disrespectful or ungrateful. When the fact is that... He's come, he's wanted to play. We've seen in the two games that he's played for Wales that he's mm. still able to make decisive contributions. The assist for Daniel James on Wednesday night was just so good. And I think that there could still be a happy ending in this last nine, however many games it is, uh, factoring in. Um, and also he has to be a little bit careful, doesn't he, when he's asked these questions. Because if he says, I want to go to Spurs and I want to stay at Spurs and Real Madrid have to sell me, all of a sudden Real Madrid hold all the cards in terms of the negotiations with Tottenham Hotspur. And, and, it, and it becomes a, a, a sense of charging as much as they can to Daniel Levy to get him out. Whereas if he says, no, no, I'm quite happy to go back and sit on the bench at Real Madrid, all of a sudden the price doesn't get overinflated. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on there. But the, the, the key to this will be Gareth Bale's wage demands. Obviously, Tottenham at the moment are paying the majority of his wages, £220,000 a week. Are they going to smash their wage structure and make that nearer £300,000 a week? Or is he going to take a pay cut? And I think the fact that so many players are being linked away is clearly agents at work. And if they were to sign Gareth Bale on those kind of wages, then suddenly people like Harry Kane and so on and Deli Ali to a lesser extent, because he's not really featuring under Jose Mourinho, would be entitled to go in and ask for more money. Just on the Harry Kane thing, um, put balance on this programme. You know, we like to uh, give uh, as much uh, accurate information as possible. The Manchester Evening News today uh, on their back page uh, are reporting that Tottenham are confident of keeping Harry Kane uh, and will not consider selling him to another Premier League club amid mounting interest from Manchester City and Manchester United. Do you know, I saw all of this, confident of this. I, honestly, it's 2013 all over again. I remember everything around that. Sorry, what, what happened in 2013? Gareth Bale ended up going oh, right. to Real Madrid. Um, Makeda scored that goal, didn't he? <laughs> when a player wants and They still haven't finished the statue. <laughs> uh, they end up being able, and we've seen it many, many times, with Fabregas, with Van Persie, with... Uh, you know, I remember Lana at Southampton when Liverpool came in for him. When some people have the, when when players have the opportunity to get a move, um, they take it. You know, I remember when Jermaine Defoe, you mentioned him, and he wanted to go to Spurs, uh, and he was playing for West Ham at the time, and they'd been relegated, and he made it clear he wanted to leave. And uh, listen, I know some people are going to say, "Oh, you're trying to sell." De- Get, get, uh, Harry Kane, come on, we're grown men. Let's not get too childish about this. It's our job to talk about football and to talk about what we think will happen yeah. in the sport of football. That's what we are paid to do. And so if I'm going to give my assessment of how I see the picture, that is what I think will happen. Okay, let's move on to Aston Villa against Fulham because this is the week that uh, it all could be shaken up at the bottom because if Aston Villa were beaten at home by Fulham and Tottenham beat Newcastle away from home, 
on Sunday. By the end of the weekend, Fulham could be out of the relegation places. Uh, Fulham's momentum, though, was checked with back-to-back home defeats against Manchester City and Leeds. Arguably one of those, at least, you could uh, explain away. How can they reverse the trend against Aston Villa, Alex? Well, they've had a few opportunities um, this season to, to put pressure on, on, on Newcastle and, and get themselves out of the bottom three and therefore put Steve Bruce's men in that relegation zone. They haven't quite been able to do it. And again, Darren has mentioned a lot about the, the mentality. He was talking about Manchester United when the pressure was on. At the moment, Fulham haven't really responded to that pressure. Leeds was a, a good game for them in terms of picking up the points they needed to escape the bottom three. They've been in there all season. Psychologically, it will be a massive boost for them and therefore a massive blow for Newcastle if they could do that. But I, I'm, I'm still not convinced by Fulham. I, I still think they give away too many chances. They've improved defensively, no doubt about that. But they can still be got at, to use your terminology, Sam. And they still don't score enough goals. So if Aston Villa uh, play as well as they have done at times this season, it's hard to make a case for a Fulham win. OK, um, what they struggle to do for me is goal scoring. Six goals in 10 league games. Mitrovic, though, will be buoyed by his terrific finish against Ireland. What a fantastic goal that was. I mean, I'm not sure conventionally whether you do try that chip from 25 yards out, but I think he'd pick the ball up, taken a couple of strides for, oh, I don't fancy running much further. Uh, so decided to clip the ball over the advancing goal. Poor old Mark Travers. It's always worse when the goalkeeper tries to sort of backpedal and, and throws his arms into the air and he can't quite get there. But it was a brilliant goal from Mitrovic. I mean, top, Fulham need to see more of that, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like Mitrovic as a player, but he doesn't score enough goals. He scores great goals, but he's not a great goal scorer. And I think as far as Fulham are concerned, if they had one, they would be safe. They've played a game more than Newcastle, but for me, they are still my favourites to stay up because what they have what Newcastle don't have right now, desire. You can see in every game they play, they might not have that quality up top but they work their socks off in stark contrast to Steve Bruce's players. And that's why, for me, I still think Fulham have a chance. Uh, Villa vowed to win any of their last four matches. Jack Grealish, funnily enough, didn't play in any of those. He can't get back too soon, can he? No. Um, I mean, there's, there's a few teams who are heavily reliant on, on one player. With Zaha for Palace, Fernandes for United, clearly Virgil van Dijk for, for Liverpool, looking at their collapse. And, and Villa certainly aren't the same team with Jack Grealish. And there there has been talk again of uh, maybe the likes of Manchester United looking at Jack Grealish again this summer. I mean, he is one player that Aston Villa definitely cannot afford to sell as their last few results and performances have testified. Where would he play, Crook? Where would he play? Well, I, I guess a lot would hinge on, on the future of Paul Pogba. Uh, if Paul Pogba was, was to leave and they were to get some kind of decent money in for him, then, then there obviously would be a slot in the team. But at the moment, it is difficult if you're trying to accommodate Pogba and Fernandes, and that's not necessarily been a, a balance that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has been able to, to strike so far. If you add Grealish into the equation, I think it would be difficult. Mm. Are you trying to sell Jack Grealish? <laughs> I possibly... Uh, let's move on to Leeds against Sheffield United and Southampton against Burnley well Leeds against Sheffield United Saturday 3 o'clock it could have been a big spicy Yorkshire derby instead it's a Yorkshire pudding that's not even going to rise um, doesn't matter how much jam you put on it it's not going to taste very nice for Sheffield United who are limping to the line they've lost their last five away games by an aggregate score of 12-0 um, what do you think uh, is going to happen this weekend, Darren? 
you know, I look at Sheffield United and it, they remind me of the couple that we all know whose relationship looks so gorgeous on the outside. And then you find out that it was horrendous and she can't stand him and he was awful to her. Shit like me and Crook, is that, is that what you think? <laughs> it just, it's so sad the way it's all fallen out and the owners having a go at Chris Wilder and Chris Wilder's um, said a few things about them and, and, and the former suffering, you know, the kids, the kids. I think, um, sorry, I got to be carried away there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think... Leeds will win, of course, because I think Sheffield United's, um, uh, I think Sheffield United's momentum has, had gone a long time ago. I think their belief is is all but shot to pieces. And even though Leeds have only won one of their last four, they will have too much, certainly in the way they play for Sheffield United. Leeds will wait all day long. Here's a quiz for you: Which England outfield player played more minutes than anybody else during the international window? You're going to say Calvin Phillips. Phillips. 251 minutes for England. Significantly more than anybody else, actually. Um, what do you think Marcelo Bielsa will make of that? I don't think he'll be delighted because Phillips is such a key player for Leeds. And again, we saw in, in recent weeks when he was unavailable, certainly it took something away from their shape and, and their game plan. I think he, he made four changes in one game just to basically cover that one position. So... There's two ways of looking at it. Phillips is young enough not to be too fatigued and he should come back absolutely bouncing, having you know pulled on that England shirt and, and seemingly become a mainstay in, in Gareth Southgate's plans and giving him a great shout for the European Championships. Just to turn it back to Sheffield United, I thought they were better against Chelsea in that FA Cup game and Paul Heckingbottom and, and Jason Tindall and Alan Neal will have had two weeks to, to work on a few things. So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion, maybe not as much of a foregone conclusion as, as Darren Lewis does, but you would still fancy Leeds. And Patrick Bamford has that caveat, doesn't he? He has that, that goal now because I don't think the door is completely closed on him in terms of the Euro. So he needs to start scoring and, and, and keep that form going for the rest of the season. Interestingly, I think um, what it says about Calvin Phillips that he was able to play so much is that I think it just displays how fit the Leeds United players yeah. are. And I think that actually is something that... You, many managers might look at and go, actually, do you know what there is? And talking to Declan Rice this week, he was like, do you know what? We feel great. We, we've played a lot of games this season, but we feel great. We're fitter than we've ever been before. I just think that's quite an interesting sort of turn of events because a lot of the times we talk about how difficult it is for players to play so many games, blah, 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 blah. But ultimately, because of necessity, they've had to find an extra gear of fitness. They've had to behave in a different way in order to get themselves ready for this absolute tsunami of games um, and the players that are strongest and fittest have, have survived that yeah I always have a little wry smile about this whole debate around play too much football footballers want to play all the players I speak to they want to play they're not happy when they don't play they are happiest when they do and the more games you get, the fitter you get, the, the, you know, you, the more battle-hardened you get. I think Calvin Phillips will be delighted at having played regularly for England and now be come back. And I think Bielsa will be delighted as well. Every player, every Leeds player that gets called up for international duty is a, a measure of success 
in relation to the work that Bielsa has done at Ellen Road. So I think he'll be delighted that Calvin Phillips has played. Uh, and, and I think he would want other players to play because you know what? You play international football, you play with better players, you play against better players and you improve as a player. Can Leeds finish in the top 10? They've got um, City away, Liverpool at home and Manchester United away after this fixture against Sheffield United. I think there's a chance. Um, I, I guess the question is, is who can they catch above them? Probably Arsenal? only Aston Villa. Um, when you look at that, maybe Arsenal could be vulnerable, especially if they start focusing more on Europe as the season goes on. Yeah. But either way, it's, it's been a fantastic season for Leeds. The fact they've not even been talked about in terms of the relegation picture is, is a big achievement for them after so many years away. Okay, Southampton against Burnley is our final match because there's two matches on Monday, which we'll look ahead to on our Monday morning podcast. So make sure you join us for that. Southampton enjoyed uh, just two uh, league wins since Christmas. Hasn't been a spectacular uh, second half of the season for Ralph Harsenhut, although they've got the FA Cup semi-final to come. I thought Jan Bednarek, especially in the first half, was absolutely terrific on Thursday night. It was really good uh, Wednesday night against England. Um, Burnley's defeats in 2021, though, have only come against decent sides. Spurs, City, Chelsea, West Ham and Manchester United, all top uh, teams. Are they going to beat Southampton down at St Mary's, do you think? They've got the tools, Burnley, to, to cause Southampton problems. You know what we're going to get. They're going to be quite direct. Dwight McNeil is going to be firing crosses in for the strikers. They don't give too many goals away. I think Saints were hoping that, that Danny Ings might be available for this game. Theo Walcott is back in training as well. He's been out for a long time. So key personnel coming back for Ralph Hasen, who's just in time for that FA Cup semi-final. But it's a big game, this one, because if there's a winner bearing in mind they're both on 33 points with nine games to go 36 points for me would be comfortably enough to stay in the Premier League so whoever wins this game can can pretty much bank These on survival two are okay don't be silly there's nothing going to happen to Southampton or Burnley they're already done uh, listen thank you very much for your contribution to uh, the show today Darren thank you very much uh, Alex thank you very much it's great to get back together again after a, a week uh, and a bit of not being uh, on the mics with you uh, we're back on Monday morning when you wake up with our Premier League review to all the weekend's action a massive weekend on TalkSport which starts on Saturday with 12.30 um, West Bromwich Albion away at Chelsea continues throughout the day uh, with the big match at 5.30 Leicester against Manchester City and then Arsenal and Liverpool at 8 o'clock as well it's all live on TalkSport and TalkSport 2. They've got Southampton Burnley on Sunday uh, make sure you tell your friends about us and uh, subscribe and rate and review the podcast as well. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.